Tabitha, thank you very much for joining me for what I believe is the fourth or fifth episode of my new marine industry podcast, Between the Levees. Please tell the listeners who you are and what you do. Um, hi, happy to be here. Uh, my name is Tabitha Brown. I work for a company called Brownwater Marine Service in Ingleside, Texas, and I do operations and business development. We're um, an inland pushboat company that provides barge transport and maritime transportation for other products. Um, between New Orleans, Louisiana, and Brownsville, Texas. And, and your base, Ingleside, is it somewhere near Corpus? Yeah, I'm about um, 30 minutes from Corpus Christi, where our office is located on mile marker 538 of the ICW. And um, I really drank the Kool-Aid, and I moved out very close to the office, and I live right on the La Quinta ship channel. Um, so I can actually hear ships and towboats and tugboats go by every day. And that was why my dog was working because she likes to sit out on the patio and watch. Has that become aggravating? Are you used to it or is it sort of calming? Uh, oh, it's so peaceful. Yeah. It's, it's comforting. I, I, I think it bothers other people. Like when people come to visit and my family was here, they're like, isn't that annoying? I'm like, honestly, like I sit there and I like try to think about which boat it is. And then I play this guessing game to see if I can figure it out. And then I look, so I find it enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, how much traffic passes down there on, our, on an average day? Uh, I don't know about on an average week. Like probably each day there's at least two or three ships that go in or out. Because um, my house is right down the way from Cuit Offshore Services, Comores, Volsalpine, um, which just got bought out. And then there is another company that just opened up right next to them called Vopac, I think. Okay some barge and ship traffic that goes in chenier lng is down there chenier is building another train um so it's the huge lng ships that are commonly going by all right there's two harbor tug companies um one that is docked over here and then the other has just vessels stationed ready to bring stuff in and out so and chenier has their own assist tugs okay it's fun well, talking about this to somebody who actually like knows what i'm talking about and cares because like i could go on a rant about it and people look at you like cool <laughs> i get it no i'm uh enjoying this industry for sure but let, let's <laughs> backtrack a little ways you were you were born at a young age at some point i believe near uh near houston yeah um i was born in the woodlands texas which is like a master plan community 30 miles north of houston um when i grew up there i mean it's heavily treed and forested and um when i grew up there you couldn't have any building that was taller than the tree line um, so you grew up in kind of like a very woodsy environment that was also very suburban. Um, we, most kids who grew up there call it the bubble, um, because it's self-contained. You don't have a real idea of what like city life or anything outside of there is like. So you're a little sheltered, I would say. Um, but I mean, it was a great place to grow up. It's lovely to visit. Um, it was like voted number one city to live in in America. It's actually a township. It's not a true city. Um, so if you try to mail stuff there, sometimes it'll force you to say spring instead of the woodlands. Okay. Um, but my parents still live there. My sister lives there. I graduated from high school and then moved to Corpus Christi to attend A&M Corpus Christi. Um, not a huge train of thought that was put into where I was going I followed a boy <laughs> when you're 18 you think you know what's best for yourself and that was following a boy 
who's a lovely human. Um, and I went to private school for most of my educational career in A&M Corpus Christi is like a manageable campus. It's actually on an island. You can pretty much walk across the whole campus in maybe 30 minutes. Um, it just, it was overall the right decision for me. I mean, hindsight, I should have gone to A&M Galveston um, and not driven four hours from home, but it all works out the way it's supposed to. Sure. What did, uh, what did your parents do for a living? Um, my mom owned a marketing firm um, called the Hampton Group, and she did marketing for most of my life. And my dad was a golf professional, and so he managed golf courses in the Woodlands, part of the Woodlands Country Club. Tell me more about that. What was his career in golf? Um, so, I mean, he, is always, he was always a good golfer, like as a child and in high school and college and um, he, I remember there was a giant check in our garage all growing up and, um, the first trip I ever went on, which obviously I don't remember the trip. I was six weeks old. He got this giant check cause he won a golf tournament in Florida and a Buick. And so okay. um, he competed for a while. And then, um, the natural progression is to manage a golf course as a golf professional, um, with the PGA. And so he ran the TPC, which is where the Shell Houston Open used to be hosted. So I pretty much, I mean, I have like a lot of childhood memories of being on a golf course, being in the pro shop. Is he retired now? Yes, he is retired. Um, he and my mom own a concierge dog walking business now, actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> so my their client list is like 400 dogs in the woodlands. Like it's insane. Really? Um, they converted part of their house, like in the garage, they air conditioned it and turned it into like a little boarding facility for special, special dogs that want to stay with them. So that's what they do. Cool. Good for them. What about yeah. siblings? Um, I have a younger sister uh, who works for the Marriott in the Woodlands on the waterway. She has a seven-year-old daughter. She's uh, the only grandchild. So she's everybody's pride and joy. And then I have an older brother who works for Indeed, the job search engine. Um, couldn't even begin to tell you specifically what his role is, aside from the fact that it's with computers. And um, my younger brother, uh, who I actually share a birthday with, I'm sandwiched in between my two brothers. Um, he also lives in Austin and he works in hospitality for um, high-end restaurants on Congress. Okay. I know you have a bit of a history with, uh, with horses. Uh -huh. Tell me how that started. Tell me about your first time on a horse and then obviously what developed from that. Sure. Um, so every year on Super Bowl, we would go to this, um, the, the George's family house um, for a big Super Bowl party. And I was five. And I remember... I think, I think I was just like into horses. I just liked them as a kid. I remember having like the ponies that would show up to your house and like give you pony rides for your birthday. Um, my middle name is actually after a racehorse. My dad picked my middle name, it's Dancel. Um, and so my parents are at the Super Bowl party and they met someone there who was a horse trainer and had horses and everything. And so my parents had asked her if she would give me lessons. And she was like, well, yeah, she needs to be five. I may have been four at this point, And I was like about to turn five. 
And they're like, well, she has to be five to be able to do it. And then it just snowballed from there. Um, I still remember the first day that I went, like she also, this lady also raised bunnies. So like you walked into a barn and it was just like floor to ceiling cages of bunnies. I, I don't know what, for what purpose, like that, that didn't stick with me. All it was, was just walking in and seeing right. all these habits. Um, and then I pretty much just rode from then on. Um, the first horse I rode of hers was named Toby. I did a horse show with him, won my first blue ribbon, and then I was hooked. Um, Tell so, me about that. What, what was what led to that blue ribbon? What, what was that event? What was the blue ribbon? I mean, when what, you're what, what was what is that competition? What is that show? Um. So there's different facets of equestrian sport. So you have, you know, um, I think mostly people associate horseback riding with Western barrel racing, calf scramble, things like that. I rode um, English and then in English you have hunter jumper and then just jumper. So hunter jumper focuses on form and aesthetic along with completion of the task and jumpers for speed. Okay. I did hunter jumper. Um, and so when you're, when you start that young, you're basically doing your first show ever is lead line. You're sitting on a horse and a trainer or a parent's leading you around. And it's all about like your body composition and how like you orient yourself on the horse. Um, and then you progress to, you know, your groundwork, which is walk, trot, canter. Um, it goes into jumping. Dressage is another facet of sporting and showing, um, so I did hunter jumper specifically. And did it stay that way? I said, I think you said you rode through 18 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So I competed all through high school. I stayed in the hunter jumper category. I switched to jumper one time and didn't enjoy it. I don't like feeling um, like rushed. Like you're about to get thrown off and <laughs> injured. Oh, that, ha that happens no matter what. That's that. Oh, okay. The saying in um, the community of people who ride, it's not, if you get hurt, it's when you get hurt. I mean, you're on a thousand plus pound animal jumping through the air, going faster than humans can. Right. It's, I mean, kicked, bitten, stepped on, thrown off. What was the, the peak, I guess, of your competitive career? In what regard? Uh, out of success, ribbons. I, I don't know. I don't know how you measure that. Oh, gosh. I don't even know. Like, I don't, I don't even know how many shows I've won or how many ribbons I had they're like boxed at my parents house like okay. my parents kept all of that stuff I still have my saddle upstairs in my house right now and like I don't have a horse here right. um, like stuff I can't let go of because I hope that at some point in the future I'll circle back to that um but I was I was showing around Texas and then in Louisiana Louisiana was like the furthest I had traveled for a show and I was grand champion of that one okay do you recall any any specific uh, interesting things about any certain competition? I don't really. I mean, the the thing about equestrian sport is while you're in competition with other people, you're mostly in competition with yourself. Right. It, it's not a traditional team sport. You're partnered with an animal that has a mind of its own, right? That like you hope that you've built some kind of synergy with. And 
when you mess up, you mess up, you know, it's not anybody else's fault really. Um, and so while you would like see the same people and like you were, um, it's scored on a point scale. So you'd be a part of like this organ, like a membership basically. And then your points tallied. So even if you had one bad show, you could still come out at the end of the season ahead if your points mattered, if that makes sense. Um, so at the end of the, the show season, it was all about how much points you had to see if you could like kind of win out over the whole year. So while you like knew who the other people were, and like sometimes it was people from your own barn or it was people that you know you went to school with, there was still a lot of camaraderie there. I don't know. I just I always think about sports that sometimes like you're a little like I remember um I played basketball for like a season in middle school. And like, you know, at the end of the game where you have to like go and shake hands right. with the team. And like I just remember like some people wouldn't want to shake your hand if you won. <laughs> That's bad sportsmanship, right? Like I don't remember ever feeling that way if you didn't win, it was, it was something that you did. It was like something you can improve on. You could learn from somebody else. And like, everybody was just happy to be there. Right. What you loved, you know, pretty much. I mean, I, I've probably overly romanticized it in my own mind. And I'm sure if you asked my brothers, they'd be like, oh my gosh, I hated it. I had to go to every one of our horse shows. It was hot. We had to sit in the sun, like, you know, right. <laughs> But I also like did not love going to their sports games and sitting in the bleachers. So it's a catch 22. Sure. All right. Well, were you uh, drawn to any, anything academically growing up high school, uh, grammar school? Uh, I would not say that I was, I mean, I'm, I wasn't a bad student. Really. The only thing that I enjoyed was reading. Okay. School was just there. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't. I never like took a class and was like, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I hated math. I hated science. History was okay. I felt, I say history was okay, but you're talking to the girl who failed Texas history in college and she's from Texas. So <laughs> sometimes it's just like, well, what's the point? Why am I learning this? Why am I doing this? Why? Why? Like my brain is constantly seeking why. Um, and maybe that was part of my problem. And then reading is just like a mental escape. You can learn things. You can use your imagination. Like, sure. I, I went to it. Like, this is off topic. Yeah, well, not really. Yesterday, I went to an estate sale and like bought all these books on like um, butterflies and insects, like old books, probably from the 60s, 70s. And the friend that I was with, she was like, are you going to actually read those? And I was like, yeah, I am. I love to sit down at a table and talk about things that you know, surprise people. And, and do, do you have a favorite genre or is just sort of everywhere? Um, uh, kind of everywhere. I don't really like um, reading scary books. Okay. <laughs> I don't like being scared. I can scare myself with my own thoughts. I tried to read uh, that one book. I think it was called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. And there was a podcast about it, about the BTK killer in California. Okay um and couldn't finish the book was so disturbed mm. had to put the light on was coming home and like checking under my couch cushions I was like maybe we don't need to fill our mind with these thoughts <laughs> safe to assume you've not watched the Dahmer series and oh absolutely not. on Netflix and all that absolutely stuff. not <laughs> yeah 
Well, so we, we kind of fast forwarded. So you meet a guy in high school and end uh-huh. up traveling four hours to college. Uh-huh. Tell me about that. He was my high school boyfriend. We started dating when we were in 11th grade, uh, was convinced I was going to marry him, followed him to AM Corpus Christi. We broke up our first year being here. All right. Good start. Uh, yeah. So, um, so you end up at Corpus uh, in college. What were you studying? I uh, studied communication. I thought I was going to do something with like sports or the news. Um, my plan was never to stay in Corpus Christi. I thought I was going to move back to Houston. And I worked at one of my dad's sister golf courses throughout high school and like had met some of the people who worked for the sports department um, for the news downtown. And they're like, anytime you want to come back, you just call us. And so that, that was kind of my, my loose plan, right? Sure. I was going to move back to Houston. I was going to do something with sport. Don't know much about them, but I, I mean, you can bullshit your way through almost anything in life. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what I've learned. So um, you end up finishing in four years? Uh, I did not finish in four years. All right. I had a slight little setback. My, I, in t- 2012 was supposed to be my last year. I was supposed to graduate in December. Um, I went home in May right after the semester had ended. Right, I went home to my parents' house. And I hadn't ridden in a little while. And so I really wanted to do that when I was home. And so um, I went to my old training barn and um, she was like, yeah, pick whoever you want to ride out of this list and go for it. And so um, I did, and I hadn't ridden either of these horses before. Um, I ended up picking this one mare named Flora who I had actually seen her mom be born because um, she was born at the training barn that I had ridden at. So I was like, what a full circle moment. This is great. Like how fun. And um, so saddle her up, got all tacked up, went out, rode for a little bit. Uh, she got stung by a bee, uh, started bucking. And I, my brain calculated, okay, you're not going to be able to stay on. So are you going to go into the metal gate and go over the gate? Or are you going to try to ditch and land on your feet? I went with, um, try to ditch and land on your feet. Didn't land on my feet, Mm. uh, hit the ground, thought I was paralyzed, couldn't move, laid there and I was Christopher Reeves. What part of you hit first on the ground? Um, back and then my head. Yeah. Um, So thrown thrown straight back. Yeah. So like, I just remember like kicking my leg over, trying to shuffle off to the side, thinking I would be able to catch my footing, couldn't, and just hit the ground. Um, and gosh, that's happened so many times in my life. Like you don't really think about it. And then, um, got the wind knocked out of me, couldn't catch my breath. So then I laid there and then I felt like I couldn't move. And so like, I was panicked. I was like, I just, I'm 23 and just became paralyzed. Like my first thought was literally I'm Christopher Reeves. Um, for whatever reason, normally I would have been by myself. My dad was there that day. He didn't see it happen. He was in the barn. Um, he came out and I just remember he just goes, what are you doing? (laughs) It's just like, okay, my dad has a sense of humor. Um, so he came and stood in the arena and helped me get up and everything. And I mean, luckily I was able to walk. And so my body was just in shock. Like you, then like after a certain point, you like don't feel anything. And so I was just like, I'm good. Like 
carry on. So I ended up, I was like, I know I shouldn't get back on. So I ended up cleaning up, putting the horse away, taking care of her. I drove myself to my parents' house. This is probably in a, like a 45 minute time span from when the incident occurred. And then got to my parents' house. And by the time I was there, I was just crying uncontrollably because I was in so much pain. And so then my mom walked in and was like, oh my gosh, what happened? And I told her and she's like, we're going straight to the ER. And so went to the ER, my, they did a x-rays and all this stuff and gave me medication. Um, and my back was so swollen at that point, you couldn't actually tell if there was any damage. Um, so they sent me home with pain medication and said, Hey, this is what you need to watch out for. If you have shooting pains down your leg, it means you have nerve damage. You need to go get an MRI immediately. So two days later, that's what happens. Um, so I went to get an MRI and I ended up fracturing my spine in two places and chipping the bone. Um, that so sounds fun. I'm sorry. That sounds fun. Yeah. So, um, my parent, I, I had made it back to Corpus Christi at this point because I had a dog here, like my life was here. Um, so then my MRI was here. And so once I figured out that that was the extent of my injury, I ended up going back to Houston to see a neurologist there um, for them to look at kind of my prognosis. And his recommendation was um, go lay in bed for three months. Yeah and don't even carry a cup of water like you need to like just walk baby steps a little bit each day um and we're gonna hope that that damage corrects itself because I was young he said I don't love to go in and inject concrete into 23 year old spines right so I um lived with my parents and they were very diligent about my care and made sure that I followed what I was supposed to do and you know, three months later, I was able to go back to Corpus Christi to finish school. But yeah, I was very, very lucky and very lucky to have parents that would like take care of me in that way. So I didn't end up having to have surgery. It was just a really long recovery. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So uh, you get back to Corpus and I know you told me last time we spoke, which again, I apologize. We lost almost that entire conversation. That's okay. Um, you got married. And I think yeah. you moved to San Antonio at some point. Yeah. So, where was um, that? Where was that in, in line with the, the horse incident? Um, so I didn't, I had already met technically my, the person that I married when I was in college, but nothing came out of it until after um, okay. we were both in relationships with other people. When we had met, it was like purely friendly. We were on, um, a river trip that we just both happened to be on when you know you rent a big cabin with your friends and sometimes you don't know who actually shows up but um so I didn't actually start dating him until like a solid year after I graduated from college um we were introduced by a mutual friend and he was from Corpus Christi and we got married in 2016 I graduated from college in 2013 technically and started dating him in 2014 and we got married in 2016. And then he had never lived anywhere else, was, he had always wanted to live in the San Antonio area. So he had gotten a job offer um, for a banking firm 
um, up that way in Bernie, uh, which is technically probably 30 minutes north of San Antonio and is in Texas Hill Country right by Fredericksburg. Um, lovely, beautiful, picturesque town, like very woodlands adjacent, also a bubble. So we lived there for almost three years, two and a half years technically for me. I, um, he wanted to move back to the Corpus area after living there for about two years to be closer to family. And so I was like, well, I'll look for a job and see where that leads. Um, and so in October of 2019, I got a job with Brownwater Marine Service. Um, they were looking for an assistant operations manager. And so I had reached out to them because when I worked for a different company, we had used them a couple of times. And so he had remembered me. So um, ended up getting that job. I moved back to Corpus in October of 2019 and my ex-husband stayed in Bernie until February of 2020, right before COVID. And so um, we built a house in Corpus and then <clears throat> fast forward to 2021, we got divorced. All right, well, that gets us to Brownwater. Um, yeah. What do you do for them? What, what is your, your, your daily responsibility? Um, so I assist our operations manager with the management of our nine vessels and crews, more or less the same reporting to customers, keeping them apprised of where their barges are, uh, crewing and personnel, recruiting, sometimes a little bit of procurement. Pretty much, you know, when you work for a smaller company, you wear a lot of hats, which is great for someone who's as ADD as I am, because I need like constant change moving around. Um, my mom always tells me I have ants in my pants. I also have learned quite a bit of IT stuff. I can get on a, a boat and fix the camera and Wi-Fi and all kinds of things. So that's when I'm in office and then I do a lot of uh, traveling to industry conferences um, and visiting with customers out of town when I can. All right, Tabitha, you did say that you travel a lot for work for conferences and such things, but I do know personally you enjoy travel for yourself. You've attended a few F1 races. I'd love to hear more <laughs> about what you do in your spare time. Um, oh, gosh. I um, I kind of live my life by having fun is so fun. <laughs> I will pretty much try anything. Um except skydiving, not in the heights. Um, Bungee jumping? Uh, that's, that goes hand in hand with heights, not yeah. best. Like, I remember, I used to think that I like didn't mind heights. And I remember I went on a, a tour of a offshore rig back in like 2013. And when you're like standing at the very top of the platform, it's that metal grate and you just see straight down to the bottom. So like psychologically, you know, you're safe, right? Like nothing's going to happen to you. But I just remember like breaking out into a sweat and I'm like, you can see way too much. Yeah. Shouldn't know how high up you are. So, what were you doing out there? Just a tour? Familiarity for um, the job? Yeah. So I, um, at that time, I worked for a company that did a lot of rig transport. And so I was invited to go tour. I think it was Shell Olympus. It was either Shell Olympus or Chevron Bigfoot that were going out to the Gulf. And so when they were about done, they opened it up for contractors and employees families to come and see like what they had spent all that time doing um so it was really really neat and cool and like you just like 
I mean, I remember like being a kid and you'd fly over the ocean or you'd like see them on TV and you're like, I wonder what that's like in there. And I mean, it's great. I mean, was it? I say it's great because I haven't had to live on it, but like it's really cool to see. Was it? Um, did they fly you out, or did you have to get on that? That. Um, um so this was at Cuban Offshore Services, where they actually fabricated the platform, okay. the modules that went on top. So, so I not in place. Walked on board from shore. Right. Yeah. yeah. I worked with a guy that worked on rigs. He was telling me I forgot the name of those baskets, but they just hang on to it. I I like I had to watch safety videos on that. I'm like, God, that looks terrifying. Yeah. Like. And you've got all your stuff like it's not like I would just be concerned about me like myself, you know, and then you have to like give your rucksack and all of your belongings and you're like that counterweight. I don't know. Obviously. Not the job for me. <laughs> I probably sit and analyze risk a bit too much to have a job like that. Sure. I know you have animals and you like to travel and. Yes, and, uh... yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a, a dog that I rescued after Hurricane Harvey. Um, her name's Penny, and she actually goes to the office with me to Brownwater every day. Good for um, her. I'm pretty sure she's highly favored over me because I walk. <laughs> if I don't have her, like, where's Penny? <laughs> right. Hi. Good morning to you guys too. Yep. Um, and then I had never had a cat in my entire life, and one of my um, very good friends was fostering this kitten that she had found and she had two foster puppies and she has two dogs and a rat like the whole kitten caboodle and so she was like will you just take it for a little while and see and I was like yeah yeah, yeah, that's fine well over a month later and she's still here and um I named her so she lives here now I took her to that week cats are totally different than dogs they're like there's no rhyme or reason to their affection I feel like it's like one second like she's like I just love you so much and then she hauls off and bites me so hard Mm. they don't like they don't have a conscience like a dog does like you tell them no and they're just like I'm still gonna do it right I I told someone the other day I was like basically you know like how in like cartoons everyone has like a little angel and a little devil my dog is my little angel and then this cat is the devil Sure. Now, are you an F1 fan or you simply attended those races with your friend? I had like never given two thoughts to Formula One um, up until I met one of my very good friends who actually gave me this kitten. Okay. My very good friend who does a lot of automotive industry type things. She has a YouTube channel. Um, she has a car radio talk show. Like she's super, super knowledgeable. She does car history. And so she grew up watching Formula One with her family. And um, she is the one who invited me last year to go. And I was like, ah, I mean, I don't really know anything about it. Like, but I'll go. Like my family's in Austin. So I stayed with my brothers and like, I knew I was going to have a silly good time. So I went and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is like insanely awesome. Like, you know, uh, when you go to a concert and you're like close to the music and you can feel like your insides rattle. Um, like that's what it feels like when those cars drive by you on the track. Yeah. Just a totally different experience. And then you look into the, the physical aspects of being able to drive one of those cars is just absolutely insane. I remember watching an interview with one of them and he was talking about how basically just his weight fluctuating by one pound influences how he's able to drive the car. I'm like, that's 
peak athletic performance. You know, and then also the level of trust to be on the track with somebody who's going that fast and trusting that everyone's going to more or less do what they're supposed to do. But yeah, so I went for the first time in 21 um, for three days with my friend um, and she and I had the best time. I mean, it's like a whole party, right? Because it's like the, the aspect of the cars, they stack musical performances. There's so much to do. Um, so we just had a silly good time. And then this year, I didn't actually go to the track and see any of the races, but I went for some of the Formula One. Well, what else do you like to do? I know you, I know you like to travel. Uh, yeah. Where, where um, do you like to go? What do you like to do? Just go find some peace somewhere? Yeah. My favorite trip this year that I've gone on is I went to uh, Park City, Utah um, back in May. I had done a week in St. Louis for work and then from there hooked a flight to Park City or Salt Lake City and then went over to Park City and I love Utah I love Colorado I grew up going to Colorado with my family almost every summer my parents are avid hikers um they do 14ers uh and not just like drive to the top and hike the last 2,000 feet like they start at the base and go all the way to the summit um so being out like being able to do things outside I don't mind like I like going to the city and doing city things like that but after about 48 hours I'm real tired of people (laughs) So um, Park City, Deer Valley is great. Um, I went to Sundance. You take this, you can go ski lift up and just wander around the mountains up there. It's just peaceful. Utah has a perk over Colorado in my mind because the acclimation is different because of the um, elevation. It's not as hard on your body. I never thought about it as a kid going to Colorado, but I went to Colorado like two years ago and I just was like, oh my gosh, you're out of shape, Tabitha. Like, you're like winded after going up a set of stairs and I don't like that feeling but I mean I'd still would go to Colorado at the drop of a hat but right and but Breckenridge the elevation is just so dang high so yeah I mean I love to travel I don't mind solo travel but you know traveling with others is always more enjoyable I um love being with my family and friends um my brothers always make fun of me because I, I always tell them a happy family is early heaven <laughs> what greater joy like especially your sibling relationships because they're literally probably the longest relationship you're ever going to have in your life right um so being with them is great I just went to Austin um earlier in October for a mini golf tournament with my brothers and sister um so that was goofy I really I'm just happy to be together I kind of just adopted this principle in my head the last couple of years of if you can't be happy eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the woods, you're never going to be happy sitting at a five-star restaurant right? or Michelin star restaurant. So it's like finding joy in everyday things and not just waiting for big moments because life's not, life's not eating at a Michelin star restaurant every day. Right. Right? It's how you talk to your friends and your family every day of your life. Sure. It's how you greet your co coworkers when you walk in the door. Like, I'm like, don't be a monster. Say good morning. Like, right. And so. bring the and bring the dog. And bring and bring Penny for everybody's therapy, right? What is uh we kind of bypassed it, but tell me about the the middle name situation in your within your family. Um, sure. So my parents' agreement, uh, whenever my mom was pregnant with me was my mom was in a Bible study and she really liked the name Tabitha. And so she was like, if I can pick Tabitha, you can pick the middle name to my dad. 
And so in 1989, my dad was following a race course named Dansel mm-hmm. um, that was going to compete in the Kentucky Derby and all this stuff. And uh, he didn't win, uh, but my dad still really liked the name. I've never met anybody else with the name. And I feel like when I, when I tell people my name, they think I'm saying damsel and I'm like, oh no, 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 not like a damsel in distress. Right. Right. Like this is after racehorse. Um, so yeah, Tabitha Dancel Brown was my uh, birth name. But when I was born, my dad reached out to the horse trainer that was responsible for Dancel. And so um, they wrote my dad a letter back and were like, oh my gosh, like we're so flattered that you would name your child after this horse. And so they sent my dad like you know, all these photos and like the lineage and everything mm-hmm. and have that framed in my office actually. Yeah. Um, but, and so then my, my siblings have quirky middle names too. My older brother is, uh, is uh, Calgary where my parents honeymooned. Um, my younger brother is Disney. So my parents wrote a letter to Disney world whenever Walt Disney world whenever he was born and they were like, oh my gosh, we've had so many people tell us they've named their pets after him, but not a human again. Sent cool stuff for my brother. Um, And then my younger sister, her middle name is Cayman after the Cayman Islands. Okay. What, uh, what do you like most about your job? What do I like most about my job? Um, I think the thing that you know, initially drew me to industry is how much changes over the course of the day. I'm not tied to sitting in a desk from nine to five. Um, I tried that. I did not flourish. Right. Um, I need something different. I need to be able to be outside. And so it's great too, because while industry is so large, you really get to know the people that not only that work in your company, but the people that work for other companies because it's the same group, right? Right. We all found this spot that we're at and we're like, Ooh, this is cool. Isn't it? That's for the next 30 years. Yeah. And so I'm like the loveliest friends by going to events and joining women in maritime operations and, um, we're starting a chapter here for Wimos, which is awesome. Uh, so it's just like exciting. There's always something new to be learned or to be done. Nobody knows it all. We're all like, you know, more or less learning and figuring it out as different things change. So yeah, it's like a constant puzzle for your brain. Yeah. Well, look, I think I'm, uh, I'm all questioned out. Did you have anything sure. else you wanted to share about your life, your job, your anything? Um, I guess my only thing is if any women are listening to this podcast that live in Texas and aren't super close to Houston and want to be a part of Women in Maritime Operations, we have a Coastal Bend chapter that's forming. So that's exciting. Uh, Wimos.org, W-I-M-O-S.org. And you can see where all the chapters are located. And even if, even if you cannot be part of the Coastal Bend one, there's probably one near you that you can be a part of. And that's great. Good to go. Thank you very much for your time. Of course. Thanks, Tim. Have a good day. You too. Bye.